The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome to the Thursday edition of Brutal Nation. You already knew who I am. I'm, I'm your host, Scott Alexander, half drunk on a bunch of goddamn wine. <laughs> right across from me is the one, the only, luscious Laura Jameson. That's me. Say hi, sweetheart. Hi. All righty. So we're gonna. This one's gonna be a two-parter, and I'm I'm glad that you kind of prepped me for it because it sounds like this is gonna be like one of those fucking tearjerker kind of feelings. It I, don't, is. I, don't, I don't like torture. That's my whole thing. I don't like unless it's like worthy, like fucking like I said before, like child right, molest or right, something. Right. Really don't. I'm not into torturous stuff. It's just so. This one is is fucked up. It sounds that anyway. Take her away. So this is the murder of Sylvia Likens. I'm gonna start with Gertrude. Banaszewski, who is really the ringleader of this whole thing. Um, I mean, like Gertrude. I, I, I absolutely right? understand why she's doing that shit. That's fucking somebody named her Gertrude, man. Gertrude Nadine Banaszewski was born September 19th, 1928 in Indianapolis, Indiana, to Hugh Marcus Van Fossen Sr. and Molly Myrtle, both of whom were originally from Illinois and were of American and Dutch descent. Benesheski was the third of six children, and her family was working class. On October 5, 1939, Benesheski saw her 50-year-old father die from a sudden heart attack. Oh, brutal. Six years later, she dropped out of high school at age 16 to marry 18-year-old John Stephen Benesheski, uh, who was originally from Youngsville, Pennsylvania, and was of Polish ancestry. And See, these all sound like it's something that should be out of Russia... You know, like during Stalin's era. Well, if you look at how her name is spelled, it doesn't... If you tried to say it phonetically, it's not Banaszewski. <laughs> I know how it's pronounced because I watched stuff. Is it Fulishitsky? It you looks like Banaszewski, but that's not how you say it. It's, oh, damn. It's interesting. Like yeah. a Zamboni on the fucking hockey rink. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> Tell me more about this um, Gertrude Zamboni. Uh, so she married John. Banaszewski, and they had four children. Although John Banaszewski had a volatile temper and occasionally beat his wife, the two would remain together for ten years prior to their first divorce. So that's that's the key, boys and girls. You can only periodically beat your wife. You can't do that shit every day. <laughs> Just saying. Following her divorce, Banaszewski married a man named Edward Guthrie. This marriage lasted just three months before the couple divorced. Shortly, because she beat the shit out of him. Her name prob- is Gertrude. Probably. She probably weighs 310 pounds. She, actually, she's not. No she's shit. She's kind of a slight woman. See, I think the, well, that's kind of scary too, but I always think people with the name like Bertha or Gertrude, you know, they're they're like 3, 310. They're carrying a rolling pin and right. a cast iron yeah. skillet. Like your poor husband comes home, and he's a big guy too, but he's tired. He sits down and goes, I can't take the trash out. My feet hurt. And she's like, you do it now. And you're like, oh, I'm do it yeah. now because fucking Gertrude's going to stick a fucking rolling pin up my keister. Yeah. And that's not going to be no bueno right there. I'm not going to no. walk funny. I, yeah, I don't want to walk funny forever. <laughs> I'll just take. I'll, I'll just do what she says. Yeah, and I don't want to have to make up a, a story like, dude, what happened to you? Here's what happened. Five big black guys jumped out of a bush. <laughs> I mean, I fought off three of them. I was doing pretty good. But that yeah. last one, he got me. Put a rolling pin right at my keister. So this marriage lasted just three months before the couple divorced. And shortly thereafter, Banaszewski remarried her first husband, bearing him two more children. 
See, and I the, was okay <laughs> when they only had four of them little motherfuckers. Yeah. But now you're you're getting up. Now you right got to, six. You're getting pretty fucking close to uh, the Beaver family <laughs> that we did on Tuesday. Yeah. You're you're, you're pushing that seven right there. You These people the are off. worse. Jesus. The couple divorced for the second time in 1963. Weeks after her third divorce, Banaszewski began a relationship with twenty-two year with a twenty-two year old named Dennis Lee Wright, who also physically abused her. Yeah, some women like it. <laughs> that that's that's also a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> She We're had gonna have fun with that other fucking <laughs> podcast. Jesus Christ, man! I'm ready to already put on nipple tassels and yes. a kilt. She had one child with Wright, Dennis Lee Wright Jr. That's not right at all. <laughs> That's a very wrong. Remember, man, two rights don't make a wrong, but two wrongs. Uh, if, if he was Asian, two wongs don't. Two make wongs a right. don't make a white. Yeah, two wongs don't make a white. That's one of my f- one of my favorite jokes from cabaret. Not cabaret. What is that? Anyway, I can't remember. Burlesque. No. I thought they did it's the one a chorus line. Oh, I haven't seen <laughs> it's that. It's that one. one. <laughs> I have a mother who loves musicals, so I grew up loving them too. Um, I love mothers who love musicals. <laughs> Shortly after the birth of their son, Wright abandoned Banaszewski. Right after that, Banaszewski filed a paternity suit against Wright for financial support of their child, although Wright seldom contributed to the care of their son. By 1965, Banaszewski lived alone with her seven children. Paula, who was... See? See what fucking happens? Seven. God you get to seven it. and shit goes crazy. Yeah, fucking... That, that was the Beaver family. They had seven motherfucking yeah, kids. Yeah, That's how shit goes crazy, man. Stop. That's how you end up with a mom who keeps a butter knife in her purse. <laughs> that still like terrifies me that you are going to fucking <laughs> whack me with a butter knife. You know that? I'm terrified of that, that shit. That was seven kids. So. Seven goddamn kids. Knock it the fuck off, people. Good having seven fucking kids. Knock it off. It's bad. So there was Paula, who was 17, Stephanie, who was 15, John, who was 12, Marie, who was 11, Shirley was 10, James was 8, and Dennis Lee Wright Jr. was 1. Shirley, James, you jest. (laughs) Although 36 years old with seven kids and five foot six and inches in height she weighed only 100 pounds and has been described as a haggard underweight asthmatic chain smoker suffering from depression due to the stress of three failed marriages a failed relationship and a recent miscarriage that's the least of her problems seven fucking kids bitch goddamn number one eat a goddamn burger or something but she can't afford it but she can afford those cigarettes yeah if you can afford cigarettes you can afford a little bit of food bitch yeah quit having children yeah jesus fucking christ quit having little fucking crotch goblins <laughs> in addition to the sporadic checks she received from her first husband a former indianapolis policeman upon whom she primarily relied financially to support her children banaszewski occasionally performed odd jobs for neighbors and acquaintances such as sewing or cleaning in order to earn money Banaszewski resided in Indianapolis at 3850 East New York Street, where the monthly rent was $55. I would kill all seven of her children (laughs) if I only had to spend $55 a month. For rent, rent. I know. I would like, if somebody offered me, I'd be like, yeah, I'll kill that motherfucker's kids, like, now. (laughs) How do you want it done? 55 bucks a month? Yeah. Then again, I don't like very many kids. so. (laughs) So now... I'll move on to Sylvia Likens, 
herself, uh, Sylvia Marie Likens, born January 3rd, 1949, was the third of five children born to carnival workers, Lester Cecil Likens and his wife, Elizabeth Betty Francis. She was born between two sets of fraternal twins, Daniel and Diana, two years older than her, and Benny and Jenny, one year younger. Jenny Likens suffered from polio, causing one of her legs to be weaker than the other. Oh, brutal. Actually, believe it or not, um, before I met my first wife, I dated a girl who had polio. Oh. Her name was uh, Yolanda Zatterain. Killer chick, man. Killer chick. Yeah, I mean, she did just fine with it. Well, good. That's good. I mean, good. she had her crutches and all that good shit. Right. But, uh, she, she was pretty bomb. She was pretty bomb. Jenny Likens, uh, yeah, suffered from polio, causing one of her legs to be weaker than the other. She was afflicted with a notable limp and had to wear a steel brace on one leg. Lester and Elizabeth's marriage was unstable. They often sold candy, beer, and soda at carnival stands around Indiana throughout the summer, moving frequently and regularly experiencing severe financial difficulties. The Lycan's sons regularly traveled with them in order to assist with their job, but Sylvia and Jenny were discouraged from doing the same out of concern for their safety and education. As a result, both sisters frequently stayed with their relatives, often their grandmother. In her teenage years, Sylvia Lycan's occasionally earned money by babysitting, running errands, or performing ironing chores for friends and neighbors, often giving her mother part of her earnings. She's been described as friendly, confident, and a lively girl with long, wavy, light brown hair extending below her shoulders and was known as Cookie to her friends. Aw, Cookie. Hmm. Although exuberant, Likens always kept her mouth closed when smiling due to a missing front tooth. Smart girl. Which she had lost while roughhousing with one of her brothers during a childhood game. Hey, look, man, she's not much to look at, but she could take a hell of a right hook. (laughs) She was also fond of music, particularly the Beatles, and was notably protective of her markedly more timid and insecure younger sister. On several occasions, the two sisters would visit a local skating rink where Sylvia would help Jenny skate by holding her hand while Jenny skated on her unaffected foot. By June 1965, Sylvia and Jenny Likens resided with their parents in Indianapolis. On July 3rd, their mother was arrested and subsequently jailed for shoplifting. It was at this time that Lester Likens arranged for his daughters to board with Gertrude Banaszewski, the mother of two girls with whom the sisters had recently become acquainted while studying at Arsenal Technical High School, Paula and Stephanie Banaszewski. At the time of this boarding agreement, Gertrude assured Lester she would care for his daughters until his return as if they were her own children. After the July 4th holiday, the sisters moved into 3850 East New York Street in order for their father and later their mother to travel to the East Coast with the carnival, with the understanding that Gertrude would receive weekly boarding fees of $20 to care for their daughters until they returned to collect Sylvia and Jenny in November of that year. During the initial weeks in which Sylvia and Jenny resided at the Banaszewski household, the sisters were subjected to very little discipline or abuse. Likens regularly sang along to pop records with Stephanie, and she willingly participated in housework at the Banaszewski residence. Both girls also regularly attended Sunday school with the Banaszewski children, with the pastor commending Sylvia's piety. 
Although Lester Likens had agreed to pay Gertrude Banaszewski $20 a week in exchange for the care of his daughters, after approximately two weeks, these payments failed to consistently arrive upon the prearranged dates, occasionally arriving one or two days late. In response, Gertrude began venting her frustration at this fact upon the sisters by beating their bare butts with various instruments such as quarter inch, a quarter-inch thick paddle making statements such as, well, I took care of you two little bitches for a week for nothing. On one occasion... You know, you got to pay extra for that. Yeah, on one I'm occasion... That's, in, that's not cheap, man. <laughs> they, they charge... Per, yes. Uh, hypothetically, I've heard. <laughs> in late August, both girls were beaten approximately 15 times on the back with the aforementioned paddle after Paula had accused the sisters of eating too much food at a church supper the household children had attended. By mid-August, Gertrude Banaszewski had begun to focus her abuse almost exclusively upon Sylvia, with her primary motivation likely being jealousy of her physical appearance, respectability, and potential in life. According to subsequent trial testimony, this abuse was initially inflicted upon Sylvia after she and Jenny had returned to the Banaszewski residence from Arsenal Technical High School as well as on weekends. This initial abuse included... Subjecting Likens to beatings and starvation, forcing her to eat leftovers or spoiled food out of garbage cans. You know, that, that's where I draw the line. Like seriously, because I'm very food centric. Because of the way yeah. I was raised, I was raised very poor, and sometimes didn't have enough food to eat. But uh, I draw the line at a starving anybody or making them eat rotten food. This is why, if you guys notice, I try to feed everybody when they come over. You do, and you do a very good job. It's it's because I I was raised like super poor. Like there was times that we went days without no fucking food. You know. Yeah. On one occasion, Likens was accused of stealing candy that she had actually purchased. On another occasion in late August, Likens was subjected to humiliation when she claimed to have a boyfriend in Long Beach whom she had met in the spring of 1965 when her family lived in California. In response to hearing this, Gertrude asked if she had ever done anything with a boy, to which Likens, unsure of her meaning, replied, I guess so and explained that she had gone skating with boys there, and had once gone to a park on the beach with them. Continuing the conversation with Stephanie Banaszewski and Jenny, Likens mentioned that she had once laid under the covers with her boyfriend. Upon hearing this, Gertrude asked, Why'd you do that, Sylvia? Likens replied, I don't know, and shrugged. Several days later, Gertrude returned to the subject with Likens telling her, you're certainly getting big in the stomach, Sylvia. It looks like you're going to have a baby. <laughs> Likens thought Gertrude Christ, was fucked up. Yeah, was kidding with her and said, "Yeah, it sure is getting big. I'm just going to have to go on a diet." However, Gertrude then informed her and the other girls in the house that whenever they did something with a boy, they would be sure to have a baby. She then kicked Likens in the genitals. What the fuck? Paula, like, totally pussy snatched her? Yeah. Checked her? Yep. Twat checked her? So Paula, the oldest daughter, herself three months pregnant, and also jealous of Lycan's physical appearance, then participated in attacking Lycan's, knocking her off her chair and onto the kitchen floor, shouting, you ain't fit to sit in a chair. What the fuck, man? On another occasion, as the family ate supper, Gertrude, Paula, and a neighborhood boy named Randy Gordon Lepper 
Force-fed likens a hot dog overloaded with condiments, including mustard, ketchup, and spices. Likens vomited as a result and was later forced to consume what she had regurgitated. Jesus Christ. It was... It was... It what... what, Oh, was Likens' only act of retaliation. She is alleged to have spread a rumor at Arsenal Technical High School that Stephanie and Paula Banaszewski were prostitutes. She supposedly did this because she was upset with the household singling her out for similar accusations. While at school, Stephanie was jokingly propositioned by a boy who told her that Likens had started this rumor about her. Upon returning home that day, Stephanie questioned Likens about the rumor, and she admitted to starting it. Stephanie punched her in response, but Likens apologized to her in tears, and Stephanie then also began to cry. However, when Stephanie's boyfriend, 15-year-old Coy Randolph Hubbard, heard of this rumor, he brutally attacked Likens, slapping her, banging her head against the wall, and flipping her backwards onto the floor. And when Gertrude found out, she used the paddle to beat Likens. On another occasion, Paula beat Likens about the face with such force that she broke her own wrist, having primarily focused her blows upon Likens' teeth and eyes. What the flying fuck? Yeah, it's horrible. Jesus H. fucking Christ. Later, Paula used the cast on her wrist to further beat Likens. Gertrude repeatedly falsely accused Likens of promiscuity and of engaging in prostitution, ranting about the filthiness of prostitution and women in general. Gertrude would later occasionally force Jenny to strike her own sister, beating Jenny if she did not comply. Coy Hubbard and several of his classmates frequently visited the Banaszewski residence to both physically and verbally torment Likens, often collaborating with the Banaszewski children and Gertrude herself. With Gertrude's active encouragement, these neighborhood children routinely beat Likens, sometimes using her as a practice dummy and violent judo sessions, lacerating her body, burning her skin with lit cigarettes in an excess of 100 times, and severely injuring her genitals. Just fucking crap. What the fuck kind of shit did you find? This is horrible. <laughs> like I said, I'm, I'm not even going to lie. This running. is horrible. To entertain Gertrude and her teenage accomplices, Likens was forced at one point to strip naked in the family living room and masturbate with a glass Pepsi Cola bottle in their presence, with Gertrude stating to all present that this act of humiliation was for Sylvia to prove to Jenny what kind of girl you are. Gertrude... (laughs) Gertrude eventually forbade Likens from attending school after she confessed to having stolen a gym suit from the school due to Gertrude having refused to purchase the clothing for her. For this act of theft, uh, Gertrude whipped Likens with a three-inch wide police belt. Gertrude then switched her conversation to the evils of premarital sex before repeatedly kicking Likens in the genitals as Stephanie railed to Likens' defense, shouting, She didn't do anything. It's like the one good thing Stephanie ever did right there. What a bunch of fucking cunts. Oh, my God, yes. Seriously, man. Like, I I always try to find something good, and I joke around and shit like that, but fuck these people. Yeah. Fuck these people right in the fucking (laughs) ear. Fucking pieces of shit. 
Gertrude then burned Lycan's fingertips with matches before further whipping her. A few days later, Gertrude repeatedly whipped Jenny with the police belt after she reportedly stole a single tennis shoe from the school to wear on her strong foot. The Lycan siblings were fearful of notifying either family members or adults at their school of the increasing incidences of abuse and neglect they were enduring, as both were afraid that doing so would only worsen their situation. Jenny, in particular, struggled against the urge to notify family members as she had been threatened by Gertrude that she would herself be abused and tortured to the same degree as her sister if she did so. Jenny was also subjected to bullying by girls in her neighborhood, in addition to occasionally being ridiculed or beaten whenever she alluded to Sylvia's situation. In July and August... Both Lester and Elizabeth Likens would occasionally return to Indianapolis to visit their daughters whenever their travel schedule afforded them the opportunity. The last occasion Lester and Elizabeth visited their daughters was on October 5th. On this occasion, neither girl exhibited any physical, physical, any visible uh, signs of distress about their mistreatment to their parents. This was likely because both were in the presence of Gertrude and her children. Almost immediately after Lester and Elizabeth had left the Banaszewski household on their final visit, Gertrude turned to face Likens and stated, What are you going to do now, Sylvia? Now they're gone. On one occasion... Christ, yeah. Man. This whole family seriously needs to be fucking just shot. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Just... Yeah, that- not, no, no, no retribution. Just, no life. You're done. Just you're, fucking line them up, pop them in the fucking yeah. piece of shit. On one occasion in September, the girls encountered their older sister Diana Schumacher at a local park. Both Jenny and Sylvia informed Diana about the abuse they were they were enduring at the hands of their caregiver, adding that Sylvia was being specifically targeted for physical abuse and almost always for things she had neither said or done. Neither sister mentioned the actual address where they resided, and initially, Diana believed her sisters must be exaggerating their claims regarding the scope of their mistreatment. I don't care what you did to my sibling, even if all you did was hit them a couple times. Like, if that were my little brother... He would not be there anymore. Well, like, you you need thing, to come yeah. with me. <laughs> like seriously, like I talk shit about Phil, my brother, all the time. But if anybody ever did anything to them, you know, it's really I, I got the I got the older brother thing, man. I can do whatever I want to my brother. Like I can beat him up if I want. <laughs> That's to. what I say too about my little brother. <laughs> but yeah, if somebody touched my little brother, oh, it's like I'll kill you. I'd be like, hold my beers, motherfuckers! Yeah. I got to stomp someone's fucking just to stomp their fucking skull in. Yep. Several weeks prior to this, Sylvia and Jenny had encountered Diana in the same park while in the company of 11-year-old Marie Banaszewski, and Sylvia had been given a sandwich to eat when she mentioned to her sister that she was hungry. Likens remained silent about the matter, although Marie revealed this fact to her family in late September. In response... Gertrude accused Likens of engaging in gluttony before she and Paula choked and bludgeoned her. 
The pair then subjected Likens to a scalding bath in order to cleanse her of sin, with Gertrude grabbing Likens' hair and repeatedly banging her head against the bath to revive her whenever she fainted. Shortly after this incident, the father of a neighborhood boy named Michael John Monroe phoned Arsenal Technical High School to anonymously report that a girl with open sores across her entire body was living at the Banaszewski household. As Likens had not attended school for several days, a school nurse visited East New York Street to investigate these claims. Gertrude claimed to the nurse that Likens had run away from her home the previous week and that she was unaware of her actual whereabouts, adding that Likens was out of control and that her open sores were a result of Likens' refusal to maintain decent personal hygiene. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. (laughs) Gertrude further claimed that Likens was a bad influence on both her own children and her sister. The school made no further investigations concerning Likens' welfare. When was this, like in the 60s or some shit? Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's why, man. Because now, if if a kid comes in and has to give in a small bruise and says, Hey, man, these motherfuckers over here hit me, like SWAT will descend. Yeah. Like, fucking everybody's like, yep. get on the ground. It's like, he felt, like a good example of that is like I was outside smoking and uh, my son was uh, in kindergarten. And he's running around. He's being a five-year-old and he ran into one of my cigarettes. So I patched him up, didn't think nothing of it before yeah. I knew it. Like I'm sitting the next day, I had CPS on my fucking doorstep going, We need to talk to you about burning your son with cigarettes. I'm like, what? And you're like, what? Said, what the fuck? He ran into my cigarette. And even my son said, I ran into my dad's cigarette. Yeah. But yeah, they were like yeah. ready to fucking call out, you know, like SWAT and shoot me in the dick or whatever <laughs> the fuck they do. I mean, then the lady was a total cunt, too. Yeah. It was like, you're guilty. We know it. Fuck you. I'm like, dude, no. Like, for real. I was just outside smoking a cigarette, dude. <laughs> he's five. He was running around being he's, a crazy he's, kid. He's five. He's running around being a little asshole. Yeah. Like five-year-olds do. Every five-year-old's a little asshole. They run around like fucking monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> the next-door neighbors of the Banaszewski family were a middle-aged couple named Raymond and Phyllis Vermillion. Both initially viewed Gertrude as an ideal caregiver for the Lycan sisters, and both had visited the Banaszewski residence on two occasions while the girls had been under Gertrude's care. On both occasions, however, the Vermilions witnessed Paula physically abusing Lycans, who on both occasions had a black eye, and openly boasting about her mistreatment of the child to them. Like, for real, I'm not about hitting women. I've said that before. But I think in that case right there, oh, yes. I would fucking slug that fucking cunt Gertrude yep. yeah. right in her fucking pie hole. I don't like, think I'd stop. No, I, I don't think I'd be dead. able to because yeah. doing that to a child is that's just it's, wrong. It's wrong. It's totally fine. Even doing that if your kid is totally misbehaving or whatever. Nothing is, warrants that treatment. No. Yeah. No. You know, it's fucking ludicrous, man. Fuck. Yeah. What a fucking cunt. Upon their second visit to the Banaszewski household, both observed Likens to appear extremely meek and somewhat zombified in nature. She got buried in the pet cemetery. <laughs> I, I know how that one happened. Yeah. Nevertheless, here we have this again, the Vermilions never reported Likens' evident mistreatment to the authorities. Why? Because they're assholes, too. Yeah. You know what? Honestly, honestly, they're just as much to blame. I agree. Right there. That's just as fucking much. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 
Total culpability right there. It's fucking ridiculous, man. Quit letting other people's kids get the fuck beat out of them. Yeah. It's fucking Christ, man. And that's not to say I haven't whooped my son. Right. I've whooped him. Oh, I've whooped him good. But, fuck, God damn, it's just ridiculous, man. Around just, the fact this is pissing I, me the fuck off. I know. <laughs> oh, That's I why know. he picked it, huh? He's like, Scott's going to get pissed. And then I was like, oh, my God, I don't know if I can do this. Like, it made, it made me really upset. It's like, I'm going to do this one here. And I didn't, I didn't even know Scott was going to be drinking. So hold my beer, motherfuckers. <laughs> because obviously Scott's going to go off on a tangent and talk about how some people are just fucking literally pieces of shit. And yeah. I know that we got listeners out there. Don't tell me how to raise my kid. I'll do what. Right, right, right. If you're you don't your deserve kid, to have a kid if that's how you treat them. Yeah, if, if you're treating your kid like that and you're beating the fuck out of them all the time for even small things like, oh, you ate too much out of function. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. Pick on somebody your own size. Matter yep. of fact, bitch, why don't you fucking step up here, pick a fight with me. I'm not the strongest guy in the world. Let's see how you fare. Yeah. Let's see how you fare. You can beat the shit out of little girls and, and torture them. Step up. Step up. Pick on a little bit of Scotty time. Let's let's just see. Let's see how fucking tough you are. Because I'll tell you what, I'm, I swear to God, this fucking bitch. I would <laughs> I fucking, know. <laughs> I'm an old Georgia farm boy, man. Yeah. I will punch her harder. I, I would send her to meet Jesus. Right. In a heartbeat. You just, you don't fucking. You don't do that. <sighs> I, I don't don't give. I understand that every parent makes mistakes. Like sometimes we 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 spank our kids too hard or too much, and you know we say things. Stuff like that does happen. It's part of just nature, right? You know, I'm not saying it's wrong or right, but it it does happen. But when you're setting out what sounds like almost on a daily basis to torture this vendetta, yeah, yeah, this kid, and she's got fucking polio on top of that, man. Her younger sister is the one with polio. Oh, it's her younger sister. Yeah. But okay. still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, e- even with that said, though, I mean, if I can, they're away from their parents, that's got to be hard on them to begin yeah. with. And you've taken yourself from a trusted position to somebody who's just basically a torturer. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I seriously, my blood's boiling. There's a like, special seriously. place in hell. Oh, there should be a special place with her. Here. Me, yeah. In a room. <laughs> yep. For, I'm not even saying long. You give me 10 minutes or less. Yeah. I'll, I'll do it better than fucking Domino's. Yeah. You give me 10 minutes, I guarantee you she'll see a, new, a, a whole, whole different way of life. Whole different. Around October 1st, Diana Schumacher discovered that her sisters were temporarily residing at the Banaszewski residence. She visited the property in an attempt to initiate regular contact. Gertrude, however, refused Diana entrance to her property, stating that she had, she didn't have, uh, she had permission from their parents not to allow either of the girls to see her. I'd be like, what are you talking about? They're my sisters and my parents would never say that. A backhand goes a long way. I'm just saying, yeah. that, sister, you fucking walk up there and say, I'm sorry, my parents said what? Backhand that yeah. little fucking 100-pound cunt and go, I'm, I'm going to get my now. sisters. Yeah. You know, I'm going to visit my sisters. If you don't like it, I got a fucking foot that I put inside of your twat. Yeah. She then ordered Diana off of her property. Approximately two weeks later, Diana encountered Jenny by chance close to the home and inquired as to Sylvia's welfare. She was informed, I can't tell you or I'll get in trouble. Due to no, the, that's not a red flag at all. Not at all, right? Yeah. Due to the increase in the frequency and brutality of the torture, 
and mistreatment Likens was subjected to, she gradually became incontinent. She was denied any access to the bathroom, being forced to wet herself. As a form of punishment for her incontinence on October 6th, Gertrude threw Likens into the basement and tied her up. Here, Likens was often kept naked, rarely fed, and frequently deprived of water. What the fuck? Occasionally, she was tied to the railing of the basement stairs with her feet barely touching the ground. In the weeks prior to locking Likens in the family basement, Gertrude had increasingly abused and tormented her. She would occasionally falsely claim to the children in her household that either she, herself, or one of them had been receiving direct insults from Likens, in the hope this would provoke them into belittling or attacking her. On one occasion, Gertrude grabbed a knife and challenged Likens to fight me back, to which Likens replied she did not know how to fight, and really, how could she, after all she's been through... Uh, and her, in response, Gertrude inflicted a light scour wound to Lycan's leg. Physical and mental torment such as this would occasionally pause when the Banaszewskis watched their favorite television shows. Well, was it was it How to Torture Children? That, yeah. I mean, was that their fucking entertainment? Piece of shit. So get, get this. Neighborhood children were also occasionally charged five cents apiece to see the display of Lycan's body and to humiliate, beat, scald, burn, and ultimately mutilate her. Jesus Christ. What kind of fucking shit are you researching? Jesus Christ, Laura. <laughs> it's horrible. I'll tell you why this is affecting me the way that it is. And it, it, it's actually a, it's a stupid fucking story. This is way back when I was driving for a company called Becker Truck, and I used to run to Seattle and back every day. So I remember it was raining a little bit, and it was dark. It was late. It's like 6 o'clock at night, and I'm coming back, and I see this little girl in a car, and they're just passing me. It's, like I said, it's just stupid. And she looked at me. She about five years old, and with the with just this little tiny innocent look, and she waved at me like like just like this. Like, see my hand like this? Yeah. It looked like a full wave like this. Was like, like this, just yeah. little tiny fingers going. Oh, my God. Jesus fucking Christ. That sticks in my mind today and still breaks my heart. Oh. Like, for no reason. There's, there's no catalyst behind that. Right. This is the way my fucked up brain works. So I think about that, and I'm thinking about this, you know, this Lycan chick having all this shit go down. I just, I really want to step on that Gertrude cunt's throat. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all I want to do. Just step on her throat, watch her turn blue, let her come get a few, you know, breasts well, I'm going to bring her back a little. I'm going to torture her some. Yeah. And, and, and have fun with her for days on end. That's, yeah. Yep. Isn't that a stupid reason, though? Like, something that happened, that, and the, the whole interaction between me and that little girl was maybe 15 seconds. Right, But yeah. it still sticks in my head. Yeah. Fucking fucked up shit, man. Throughout Lycan's captivity in the basement, Gertrude frequently, with the assistance of her children and neighborhood children, restrained and gagged Lycan's before placing her in a bathtub filled with scalding water and proceeding to rub salt into her wounds. What the fuck? Now, they didn't do this to Polio Girl, right? No, the Polio Girl is the younger sister. Uh, Okay, well, at least there's that because fucking A, but still, man, God, what a fucking cunt. Yep. Absolute fucking cunt. Fuck. <laughs> I honestly, I hate her worse than I hate Carla Hermolka. And I yeah. bitch about Hermolka all the time. Yeah. But you know what? She makes Hermolka look like a fucking angel. Yes. Like she has halo and wings. Mm-hmm. 
She, you know what, Gertrude, you're now my sugar tits. Yeah. Like she's taken the top award for yeah, that's worst human being. Fucking, we need to take a note on that shit because that, that we're going to do the award ceremony. And Gertrude just won a number one top award for just being the absolute sugar titted fucking cunt. It doesn't get any better. Oh, <laughs> fuck my life. On one occasion, Gertrude and her 12-year-old son, John Jr., rubbed urine and feces from Gertrude's one-year-old son's diaper into Lycan's mouth before giving her a cup half-filled with water and stating that the water was all she would receive for the remainder of the day. What the fuck? On October 22nd, John Banaszewski Jr. tormented Lycan's by offering to allow her to eat a bowl of soup with her fingers and then quickly... Taking away the bowl when Lycans, by this stage suffering from extreme malnourishment, attempted to eat the food. See, now you're talking some of that fucking effects because we talked about food earlier. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, man. Some fucking people. Fuck. Gertrude Banaszewski eventually allowed Lycans to sleep upstairs on the condition that she learned not to wet herself. That night, Sylvia whispered to Jenny to secretly give her a glass of water before falling asleep. The following morning, Gertrude discovered that Lycans had urinated on herself. As a punishment, Lycans was forced to insert an empty glass pot bottle into her vagina in the presence of the Banaszewski children before Gertrude ordered her into the basement. Gertrude called Sylvia upstairs to the kitchen. Somehow the conversation got around to tattooing. Gertrude asked Sylvia whether she knew what a tattoo was. She said, you branded my children, so now I'm going to brand you. What the fuck? That's part of Richard Hobbs testifying as to Gertrude Banaszewski's decision to carve an insult into Lycan's abdomen. Shortly thereafter, Gertrude shouted for Lycan's to return to the kitchen and then ordered her to strip naked before proclaiming to her, you have branded my daughters, now I'm going to brand you. She began carving the words, I'm a prostitute and proud of it, onto Lycan's abdomen with a heated needle. When Gertrude was unable to finish the branding, she instructed one of the neighborhood children present, 14-year-old Richard Dean Hobbs, to finish etching the words into Lycan's flesh as she took Jenny to a nearby grocery store. In what Hobbes would later insist were short, light etchings, he continued to brand the text into Lycan's abdomen as she clenched her teeth and moaned. Both Hobbes and 10-year-old Shirley Banaszewski then led Lycan's into the basement where each proceeded to use an anchor bolt in an attempt to burn the letter S beneath Lycan's left breast although they applied one section of the loop backwards and this deep burn scar would resemble the number three. Gertrude later taunted Lycans by claiming she would never be able to marry due to the words carved on her stomach stating, Sylvia, what are you going to do now? You can't get married now. What are you going to do? Weeping, Lycans replied, I guess there's nothing I can do. Later that day, Lycans was forced to display the carving to neighborhood children, with Gertrude claiming she had received the inscription at a sex party. That night, Sylvia confided confided to her sister, Jenny, I know you don't want me to die, but I'm going to die, I can tell. The following day, 
Gertrude Banaszewski woke Likens, then forced her to write a letter as she dictated the contents, which were intended to mislead her parents into believing their daughter had run away from the Banaszewski residence. The content of this letter was intended to frame a group of anonymous local boys for extensively abusing and mutilating Likens after she had initially agreed to engage in sexual relations with them before they inflicted the extreme abuse and torture upon her body. After Likens had written this letter, Gertrude finished formulating her plan to have John Jr. and Jenny blindfold Sylvia then take her to a nearby wooded area known as Jimmy's Forest and leave her there to die. (coughs) After she had finished writing the letter, Likens was then again tied to the stair railing and offered crackers to eat. Although she refused them saying, give it to the dog, I don't want it. In response... Gertrude forced the crackers into Lycan's mouth before she and John Banaszewski beat her, particularly around the stomach. (coughs) On October 25th, Lycan's attempted to escape from the basement after overhearing a conversation between Gertrude and John Jr. pertaining to the family's plan to abandon her to die. Ooh, sorry. She attempted to flee to the front door, however, due to her extensive injuries and general weakness, (coughs) Gertrude caught her before she could escape the property. Likens was then given crackers to eat, but was unable to consume the food due to her extreme state of dehydration. Gertrude forced the crackers into her mouth before repeatedly striking her face with a curtain rod until sections of the instrument were bent into right angles. Fuck. You had mentioned that a person that you know actually bought this movie to watch it over and over again. Seriously, I don't want to bitch about anybody that you know, but what kind of sick fuck? That's what I thought. Yep. Like, like for real. Fuck. Why would you want to experience this more than once? I don't even want to experience it past right now. this episode. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Like, for real. You could have picked almost any other one. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. I don't get traumatized very easily because I've seen, I've seen what people do to other people. Yeah. But this one here. This is just really something else. My blood's boiling. Trying to not have pre-anger management Scott come out. Yeah, yep. Just finding my zen. Coy Hubbard then took the curtain rod from Gertrude and struck Likens one further time, rendering her unconscious. Gertrude then dragged Likens into the basement. That evening, Likens desperately attempted to alert neighbors by screaming for help and hitting the walls of the basement with a spade. One immediate neighbor of the Banaszewskis would later inform police she had heard the desperate commotion and that she had identified the source as emanating from the basement of 3850 East New York Street. But that as the noise had suddenly ceased at approximately 3 a.m., she decided not to inform the police of the disturbance. Fuck that cunt, too. Like, for real. Fuck that goddamn bitch. 
What is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, okay, I understand not wanting to get involved in other people's matters. I totally understand that. This goes so far. But yeah, this is way beyond that. Way, way fucking beyond yeah. the not getting involved thing. This is fucking ridiculous. By the morning of October 26, Likens was unable to either speak intelligibly or correctly coordinate the movement of her limbs. Gertrude moved Likens into the kitchen and, having propped her back against a wall, attempted to feed her a donut and a glass of milk. She threw Likens to the floor in frustration when Likens was unable to correctly move the glass of milk to her lips. She was then returned to the basement. Shortly thereafter, Likens became delirious, repeatedly moaning and mumbling. When Paula asked her to recite the alphabet, Likens was unable to recite anything beyond the first four letters or to raise herself off the ground. In response, Paula verbally threatened her to either stand up or she would inflict a long jump on her. Gertrude then ordered Likens, who had defecated, to clean herself. That afternoon, several of Lycan's other tormentors gathered in the basement. <clears throat> Lycan's jerkingly moved her arms in an apparent attempt to point at the faces of the tormentors she could recognize, making statements such as, You're Ricky. You're Gertie. Before Gertrude tersely shouted, Shut up. You know who I am. Minutes later, Lycan's unsuccessfully attempted to bite into a rotten pear she had been given to eat stating she could feel the looseness in her teeth. Upon hearing this, Jenny replied, Don't you remember, Sylvia? Your front tooth was knocked out when you were seven. Jenny then left Sylvia in the basement to perform gardening chores for neighbors in the hope of earning spending money. In an attempt to wash lichens, a laughing John Banaszewski Jr. sprayed her with a garden hose brought to the house that afternoon by Randy Leper at Gertrude's request. <clears throat> Likens again desperately attempted to exit the basement but collapsed before she could reach the stairs. In response to this effort, Gertrude stamped on Likens' head before standing and staring at her for several moments. Shortly after 5.30 p.m., Richard Hobbs returned to the Banaszewski residence and immediately proceeded to the basement. He slipped on the wet basement stairs and fell heavily to the floor of the basement to be confronted with the sight of Stephanie crying and cuddling Lycan's emaciated and lacerated body after she had been ordered by her mother to clean Sylvia. <clears throat> Stephanie and Richard then decided to give Lycan's a warm, soapy bath and dress her in new clothes. Then they laid her on a mattress in one of the bedrooms as Sylvia muttered her, f her final wish that her daddy was there. You need to take a breath. Oh, sorry. <laughs> All right. That's part one. Let's get to part two next week. Remember, you can send us an email at www.brutalnation at twistedblue.com.
Medium.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. Uh, what else? This show is copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye.